Welcome to Off Book, a podcast from the Young Vic, where we have conversations with creatives who have recently inspired us with their work here. Today on Off Book, we are joined by Ola Inz, a Genesis Future Directors Award winner, um, who's currently working on Dutchman in the Claire Studio at the Young Vic. Hello. Hello. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to be where you are today? I am from southwest London. Um, I began my life as a director probably when I was 15 in secondary school. I decided that I enjoyed making the work rather than being in the work. So I thought about how to pursue that, um, that directing life. And so I got a massive notebook and I asked my mum what to do and she went, "Mm, I don't know, maybe go to a university or something. And I thought, okay, I think I should go to the Brit school and learn how to be a really good actress so I can direct actors really well. Mm. And then at the Brit school, I was had the time of my life, to be honest. I had an amazing time. It gave me the foundation um, that I needed, so I've, I just felt like I, I learned about practitioners and different ways of accessing um, plays and just different approaches to art, really. And from there, I went to Rose Bruford, which is a drama school in Sidcup, and I did a directing degree, mm-hmm. which was hard um, and very intense. There's only, I think, maybe four or five other people in wow. my class, and they were all much older than me and very different, which was great because they were from Iceland or Ireland or mm-hmm. wherever else, but they were adults and I was the kid. And I remember initially being like, why are we coming in every day? <laughs> and why are we here from nine to nine? I don't want to come it... in on Saturday. <laughs> Did you find it a challenge working with people who were significantly older than you at that time? Um, no, although, um, no, I didn't actually. But I did miss having peers that were at my own age, mm-hmm. just in terms of things like letting your hair down and banter and stuff I suppose (laughs) but I I got used to it and it was really useful because actually the industry that I'm in and the job that I do demands a certain level of maturity Mm -hmm. and so I suppose they inducted me into that straight away yeah and going back to um yourself as a child and growing up what sort of art did you expose yourself to in order to gain inspiration and at one point did you realize that theater was the thing for you um, I'm not sure I, as a young person, exposed myself to particular art. I think my parents may have. Like, I grew up in a house with a lot of jazz playing all the time um, and a lot of documentaries. My dad loves jazz, my mum loves watching documentaries mm-hmm. and loves history and loves reading. So I was really encouraged to read a lot, which I think when I was little, I hated that idea. <laughs> But things like, um, they called readathons or the book clubs and stuff, yeah. I was forced into. And then after a bit, I was like, all right, I'll do some reading. It's quite nice, actually. Um, so I suppose it was via music um, and documentaries. So my mum would take me to watch a play at least once a year. Um, so my mum, really, and my mum and dad mm-hmm. are quite um, have quite eclectic taste. And that's how, I suppose, I got into it all. Yeah. And through via school... I realised that theatre was something that I really wanted to pursue. And so I went to, like, um, I think I was part of the Polka Theatre Youth Group and stuff for a bit. But that was all through um, 
a secondary school teacher who said, oh, actually, you're, you're quite good at this. You should pursue it mm-hmm. outside of school. So, um, yeah, but I can, I can see how music shapes me and I can see also how documentaries have shaped me um, because I suppose they give you a thirst for knowledge mm-hmm. and what I love about directing is you get to encounter loads of different types of people and cultures and you get to travel the world without moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, so I've got to go around the globe quite a few times just to the different plays I've read yeah. and then every play you read and work on you go you learn so much about the people involved in it because you have to if you're mm-hmm. going to do a good job of it. So um, I, I can see where early interests have developed, I suppose, mm-hmm. that way. So I'd say documentaries, music, especially stuff like um, jazz. And for me, people like Nas is a really big influence on me. Mm-hmm. His storytelling and his use of language and his boldness and like um, style and sophistication and contradictions. Mm-hmm. I think I... Like I'm always looking for that in work. And also, quite weirdly, and maybe I'm forcing this, <laughs> but I think um, cartoons and animation, I really enjoy oh, yeah. them. And there's something about the way that an animator or a cartoonist um, tells a story or creates a character that I think is really clear and useful. Immediately great, as well. Yeah. They're great at creating archetypes, mm-hmm. which I think sometimes is a really... In a single frame. Yeah, yeah. good way in. Mm-hmm. Um, just jumping back to your experience with like reading from an early age, what plays or stories stood out to you when you were gaining your experiences in theatre? Or exposure to theatre, sorry. Um, trying to think of... Well, one of my favourite plays, and it has been for years and years, is Antigone, Sophocles' Antigone. Um, that really stood out for me. Because mm-hmm. there's this really strong, um, articulate... Um, brave, passionate young woman mm-hmm. who knows what she believes and is standing up for herself yeah. against all odds. Um, and the idea is both, you know, um, epic, but also quite domestic, that story. Mm-hmm. And that's a great play, I think, that I... Yeah, that's one of the plays, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Do you hope to maybe direct that one day? Yeah, I do, <laughs> I do. Just got to have a really all a take on it before yeah. I play with it. Okay. Um, And can you tell me about the different environments and theatre practitioners that you've worked with in the past and how they've come to form your practice today? Okay, so um, I've worked with Carrie Cracknell. She's really um, brilliant, brilliant. She's a really brilliant director. And I think she's very clever and business savvy. And she's taught me a lot about brand. Um, And she made me think about what I have to offer the world as opposed to other people, mm-hmm. which was a really useful um, moment in my life where I thought about who I am and what I'm offering and what my voice means and is. Mm-hmm. So she taught me quite a bit. What do you think? No, your... don't ask me that. <laughs> no? No, it's a your hard brand. question. Or even the importance of owning a brand um, in terms of making it in the theatre industry and people who might might be wanting to come at it from a freelancer's point like perspective how important is that i think it you know some people really shy away from that idea and find it all very um unattractive let's say but the what it's that idea has done for me is it's made me think about um 
what I want to say every time I do a play and what I and how that differs from how other people may approach it for example with The Dutchman it's a very provocative play mm-hmm. as it is and I think the Ola take on it the Ola production means that I'm pushing that further because I like to um, I like to shake things up so I suppose my stamp is making things bolder and being really um, unapologetic about things mm-hmm. and also I think an Ola production is also about clarity and, so? and framing things so I just want to make sure that no, no one is um no one can watch this play, watch The Dutchman, and not engage with it mm-hmm. and let it go over their heads, let it wash over them. They have to take something away they from it. They have to take something away from it. So I'm kind of forcing everyone's hand a little bit and going, digest this, you've got that, now digest that. Mm-hmm. Now look at this, mm-hmm. now think about that, I suppose. And I'm not sure if, you know, my every play I'll have a different approach to I'll have a different approach to it but at least I know that I'm always trying to do something that isn't shy mm-hmm. isn't subtle it's bold so I suppose that's what I know I can offer is is boldness mm-hmm. and imagination okay mm. <laughs> yeah. um, and on um, your approach and how you even engage with your actors in rehearsals what was the process and the conversations that you had in order to get everyone not up to speed as such with the play but what were the conversations around race like? Um, they were really interesting. They were really, really interesting. They were really brave. Um, and they were really thorough. So we spent the first week of rehearsals, even maybe the first two weeks of rehearsals, we'd read the play, we'd look at um, really clarifying what it was about. So we'd do stuff like list the facts in the play list the questions we have about the play. We broke the play up into units and really analysed each unit and looked at different shifts and how the characters were um, interacting with each other, what the dynamics were, what they were trying to do to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we did that as part of the day and then we'd also do watch documentaries. And we watched a really cool documentary, for example, called um, White People, which I think MTV made this year. And it's about white privilege, mm-hmm. and it's set in a, well. They, the documentary maker has made it with a bunch of um, young white Americans, and so we'd watch that. We'd let it all, uh, I suppose, sink in, yeah. and then we'd go, "What notes have you taken from that? Mm-hmm. What should we discuss? What was interesting? Which moments of that documentary can we feed into our play, and why?" Mm-hmm. So I suppose what I was really aware of is that race is a massive thing and can be a scary and daunting thing. So we always wanted to frame our conversations so that they were safe. Yeah. So we were responding to something um, in order to put it into something else. It's not We weren't just talking for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, because that can be quite exposing. And actually, even though our individual um, ideas about race are important, the most important thing is the play and what the play's trying to say. Mm-hmm. So no matter if I, whether I agree or disagree with what Mary Baraka is saying, we need to know what he's saying so we know what choices we're making about what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent the week looking at loads of different things. Like there's this really cool documentary called The Black Power Mixtape made by Swedish, Swedish documentary makers in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, the MTV documentary, what documentaries about Charlie Parker, the jazz musician that Clay references. Um, we listened to audiobooks. There's a really cool audiobook called um, Between the World and Me. 
Ten um, coats. Exactly. I've, I've got that actually. But I'm yet it's to really read it. good. Yeah. And that's really interesting ideas about what it means to be black in America mm-hmm. and the black body and how um, aware you are as a black person of your body um, and how you must protect it or how you must preserve it. Mm-hmm. And we've read books like um, Richard Wright's Native Son. Um, which actually some people think Amiri Baraka read and influenced um, the Dutchman. Mm-hmm. But that that was really important, actually, because you can make huge assumptions about what it means to be an African-American. I'm not one. No. I am black, but I'm not an African-American. So different experiences. Very different. And actually, really, and also, you know, oppression in 2016 is different to oppression in 1964. So we really had to really had to pay attention to what these writers were saying and go whoa it's that experience mm-hmm. what drives someone to murder someone oh it's that what was really going on inside a, a racist mind oh it's fear and oh it's not black and white and good and evil and actually does Amiri Baraka like anyone is a question <laughs> too yeah and so we also listened to um, him talk and listened to him some of his poetry yeah. things like that like there's so the play is so rich that you know you have to try and engage with as much as you can without getting lost Mm -hmm. and luckily for us the play is quite short otherwise you can get very lost in it um going back to the contradictions of um not wanting to stick to good and bad black and white how do you feel like the characters like clay and lula what what ways are they trying to undo each other and what did you read into that relationship um now with Lula, right, I think that she is a, um, she's someone that has been taught to be white. And what I mean by that is um, it's a learnt behaviour. She's learnt that actually being white equals these behaviours and this privilege <laughs> and it makes her this amount of special. Mm-hmm. And so she, I think because she holds that so close to her seems really conscious of it as well yeah Yeah. she doesn't ever want to lose that you'd never want to you know lose your crown and so there's this is a really interesting moment in history where someone like Lula's worried that she might lose everything that she holds dear Mm -hmm. she might lose all her power she might not be the special one anymore and the only way to continue being special is to make sure that other people are, are not yes and someone like Clay... Not yes, and I really agree, no. but it's just <laughs> yes. like... Yeah, that's and someone like true. Clay threatens that because, you know, it's okay if you're going to be a black man that is... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, well, I suppose what is what Amuba Rocker calls an Uncle Tom, that's subservient, that um, follows your lead, that isn't very intelligent. That's okay because there's no, there's no threat at all. Mm-hmm. But if you're a black man that's intelligent and knows who they are and um, demands respect and has seemingly has all the right attributes to succeed, mm-hmm. then you're he, he's a huge threat. So she does a lot in the play to try and, um, I suppose, unbalance him mm-hmm. and test him and make him revert to something that she thinks, I suppose... Um, is who he really is in order to justify the, uh, I suppose, the death of him. Mm -hmm. She wants to push him somewhere so that she can justify all of her norms and morals. Yeah. 
Well, and so, and he, I suppose, is very aware of all that she represents to a certain degree. But the thing that makes him, I suppose, um, not perfect is that he's so distracted by sex that it undoes him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her negatives are she wants to try and keep this man under her foot. She wants to keep him oppressed. And his negatives are that he doesn't do enough to defend or protect himself because he's kind of playing the role of black stud, mm-hmm. which is... What's that? negative i suppose it's like um this idea that black men are very overly sexualized oh right yeah um and hyper masculine and hyper yeah and know how to work women and it's also that a massive american fear is this white woman being um not to be crude but penetrated by Mm -hmm. this this black man this black sexuality which is huge and scary Mm -hmm. um and threatening what do you think have been the building blocks of that stereotype? I know that's a really big question. What do you mean? Of like the idea of like a threatening black masculinity and how it's where does that come from? Yeah, and like it's driven such a it's got such a fear attached to it. Yeah, I I suppose it must come from um slavery and the idea of black people being like animals rather than like humans. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's very complicated. I don't think I can really explain it all, but it's it's something that has always kind of been in the atmosphere, mm-hmm. I suppose, especially with America and their history of slavery. And there's this really odd thing that happens of love and hate, that I hate these people so much that I want to destroy them, but I love them and not love, but I, I desire them too. And also um, the... Just like the ways that we people want to interact with a culture, but not necessarily the people who produce that culture. Yeah, so really exactly. Exactly that. Yeah. It's exotic. Mm. And it, yeah, feeds into people's fantasies, but yeah. So you've spoken a lot about um, clay and black masculinity. How do you, as a black woman, relate to the work and what? how does it speak to you? I'm not sure I relate to the work. The interesting thing about Amiri Baraka is... He's, um, I don't think he's saying one thing with his play. I don't think he has, um, I don't think he particularly likes Clay or Lula in this play. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, really interesting imagery at the start of the play. There's uh, with Clay sitting in a three piece suit sweating. He's really uncomfortable and quite ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's wearing a three piece suit, he's wearing a costume in a, a, on a really hot summer's day so that he um, portrays a certain image, so that he looks... Like a level of respectability. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's Amir Baraka taking the piss out of him. Or himself, but, maybe, if, if he's ever had to be that Yeah, person. but Amir Baraka, it was known to not... To, to think that the idea of a black middle class was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. He's a very complicated man. Even though he was that, he really, at the same time, despised that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure how... I'm not sure how I relate to it. I just think that... I'm not sure I can answer that question. That's okay. <laughs> um, and I'm not... The thing that I think is... Um, no, I don't know. The thing that... What I am most interested in in the play is all of the questions it raises. Yeah. Like, I've never been able to answer them all, and I don't try to. Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean to be black? What does it mean to be white? What does it mean to be American? You know oppression what does that do to you does that 
does that drive you insane? There's mm-hmm. a lot of talk about mental health in the play as well. Um, you know, is it is there? Can you be? A, is there a black middle class? Yes, there is. Is there anything wrong with that? I don't think there is. Mm-hmm. But Mubarak Rocker at one point really did think that yeah. that meant that if you were middle class, you were trying to be white. Like mm-hmm. race is so complicated, and it's also generational. Like you said, the, yeah. the play being set in the sixties. Um, how? do you think it's like what what relevance do you think it has to the like present day the thing is like not much has changed sadly yeah so i do think that you know you would if you got on the train and saw a mixed race couple together i don't think you'd really bat an eyelid but within this time it's a big deal Mm -hmm. because people are still getting lynched and you know malcolm x and martin luther king are trying to fight for change and equality at the time so that means that everything is much more heightened in the 60s like everything that's going on you can probably times it by 10 to what our experience is Mm -hmm. Um, but to be honest the underlying issues are still the same and maybe they're more overt then but those I I think right now what's really sad is that um, a lot of the um, issues that arose in the 60s are kind of popping back up now Mm -hmm. that's what makes it really sad is that this play Mm -hmm. is really relevant and on that about dealing with like um difficult subject matters and always having to expose yourself to such harrowing content how do you look after yourself as a just a person as like before you even like attempt to direct or relay such a difficult story to others how do you kind of prepare yourself for that um yeah, you're right. It's really hard when you're reading really um, and dealing with really strong issues. I think I try and switch off by doing things like yoga, mm-hmm. um, by having friends around me that I can discuss the play with or not discuss the play with. <laughs> um, I watch stuff at like The Voice. <laughs> <laughs> keep it light. Yeah, keep it light. Music's helpful. It, it massively it changes the mood. And yeah, and it can be really uplifting. It's a really quick fix. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things I do. Yoga and music and candles. Candles are really good. So going back to your approach to theatre as a director, um, what are the realities of working as an artist? Um... I suppose as a director there's lots of there's lots of preparation involved before you meet any actors mm-hmm. um, there's lots of lonely moments um, there's there's a lot of weight to carry because you've got to not only think about um, the play you need to think about the people that are helping you put this play on which mm-hmm. are People like um, sound designers, set designers, um, costume designers, um, lighting designers, but also the actors and um, how they are and how to look after them. And um, so there's a, there's a lot of responsibility, um, which I think sometimes can be really difficult. So because you've got to be a really good parent, I suppose. <laughs> and look after your children well and make sure you're giving them the right amount of encouragement, the right amount of love, you know, when to discipline people and they need to be disciplined. It's just a, a constant balancing um, and juggling act because every day something new happens and you've got to be ready for yeah. it. Um, so I suppose it's about um, 
having a strength and a resilience and a sense of humour. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I suppose sometimes it's just about allowing yourself to be open um, to other people's input sometimes and ideas and mm-hmm. going, oh, actually, that's a really great contribution. So making sure that you're always collaborating with people as well as leading. Yeah. And how has that um, this experience of directing solely directing a production differed from your um, previous jobs as an assistant? Um, well, I suppose the main difference is it's all on you. Yeah. You're not supporting someone in the same way. You are the person that's carrying it. So, um, yeah, it's all on all on you. That's the difference, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, and you, you feel it. You feel that it's all on you. Right. <laughs> Talk us through your experience of assisting on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom at the National. So um, it was a great experience. The So at the National, um, when you're assisting, it's a bit different from assisting in other buildings because you are given the role of staff director, which is a really... Um, really really great job actually because what it means is that you're assisting the director um on a day-to-day basis so you're sitting next to them uh, helping them plan the day helping them um shape their ideas um just being their right hand woman or yeah. man to make sure they feel supported and that everything they're trying to achieve um they're achieving mm-hmm. uh, i suppose yeah that's what you do but but the great thing about working at the National is you get the opportunity to direct the show. What I mean by that is at the National, you most of the time as a staff director have an understudy company, mm-hmm. which you look after, you rehearse, and you get ready to go on stage with the rest of the company. Mm-hmm. So if anyone was sick or anything unfortunate happens, they're able to slot in and do an amazing job because mm-hmm. all of the information that you've retained as an assistant in the room, you've passed on to them and you actually get to not only just pass on the information but rehearse them too. Mm-hmm. And then once the show's up and running and the understudies are ready and the show is ready, you uh, stay with the show and you look after it and you note it. So you give the actors notes on how to keep up their good work or when things are slipping slightly. Um, you note them, you watch them, you see if those notes are helping mm-hmm. and you do that until the for the duration of the run. So that's very different, a very different role. Um, for example, from when I was associate on Bugsy Malone. At the be- Lyric. At the Lyric, because that's not so much about I'm still supporting a director but I my um, creative ideas are valued a little bit more than if I was an assistant so it's about my contribution to as an artist mm-hmm. and then also there's another level of responsibility because I'm not only getting the understudies ready but I'm also helping in a much more um, practical way of getting the principles ready too so for example I'd take the actors off to a separate room and I'd run scenes with them or the director wouldn't be around so I'm the lead director for a couple of days Mm -hmm. so it's a very different um, level of responsibility which is you know in a different way massively rewarding to um, it's very different skills yeah um, and so, do you find yeah. that like having you, you mentioned that you went to the Brit school and you did some acting as well yeah D- does that help with how you engage the people that you're directing that with, kind of knowledge with of- younger 
um, actors, yes, I think, a bit more. Um, I don't, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I understand what I'm asking for and how possible that is or how hard that is. Mm-hmm. And so, th- and therefore I can find um, ways in to help them get to where I want them to be because I have an understanding of what it is I want them to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so... Moving on from Dutchman, what are your future aspirations for your career in theatre? Uh, so I'd like to continue directing theatre and I'd like to be known as a theatre maker who makes really um, provocative work, mm-hmm. um, who really challenges ideas, who makes work that looks like a lot of people that live in London. And what I mean by that is that my work is... Um, really represents the London that we live in today mm-hmm. um, in terms of different cultures that we see on stage, in terms of um, different colours, in terms of different beliefs. It just needs to feel really diverse mm-hmm. uh, in all the best ways possible and that every piece of work I make says something. Um, so that, you know, because art's important in that way. It's like a, a vehicle for change. And if you're not really talking about what's going on, how can you change anything? Yeah. Um, I'd love to direct radio plays. I'd also love to direct animation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that I am uh, have a career which allows me to do all those things and allows me to tell stories um, on really different interesting um, platforms mm-hmm. and via different interesting mediums. That's what I really hope for. That I'm the person that tells really worthwhile, um, provocative, bold, and imaginative stories. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's um, <laughs> listening to this and at the very beginning of their own journey, what advice would you give? I'd say use every day to figure out who you are and what interests you. Like, really know what it is about the world that you want to change and that you um, love to. And just keep on going. Keep on going and make sure that every day you're learning something new and that you're really engaging with the world around you. Like, it's easy to be an artist that um, lives in a bubble. Make sure your art is part of the world too. Mm -hmm. And on that, what have you seen in the last couple of months that's really struck you or that has meant something to you the last show that i saw that really struck me apart from Mar rainey's black bottom mm-hmm. of course <laughs> uh i think was bull ah, okay. here at the young vic yeah it was bull and i remember thinking this world is complicated yeah it was a really <laughs> hard play wasn't it yeah yeah and just so brutal. Yeah. A bit exaggerated, but at the same time, you can see how it's like some of the, those scenes would like act themselves yeah. out in real life. Yeah. It was horrible. It makes you really think about, uh, yeah, the human race. Yeah, and how suddenly everyone who was complicit just realizes exactly which side of the story they're yeah, on. Exactly. And catch them. It really themselves. makes you place yourself. Yeah. It's good theatre, that. Yeah, it is, yeah. isn't it? Thank you so much for your time and it's been really lovely speaking to you. Where can the people find your work if they want to keep track of you? Thank you for having me. Um, The people, if they do want to keep track of me, um, maybe via the internet. I have a website. It's my name, olaintz.com. Lovely. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Off Book by The Young Vic. If you'd like to hear more conversations with some of the most exciting people in theatre, subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes.